I think it's the place where when you give him something, no matter what you think the value is, no matter how small you think it is, he returns something in its place. It's that power of release. When you let go of the morning, when you let those tears go, he can dry them. But if you never cry them, guess what? You'll never know how bad you need a father to come in, grab you in his arms and wipe those tears away to let you know how valuable you are. I see you. Yeah, you flipping through all the podcasts, looking for something different. Tired of those with all the catchy phrases? A one-size-fits-all, quick-fix schemes that never seem to fit. My name is Anthony Hart, and if you are like me, you want more than a moment. We are looking for a movement of groundbreakers and world changers who are tired of the status quo, willing to throw it all up to see what sticks, willing to ask a question before pointing a finger. This is your invitation into a collection of thoughtful ponderings posed to make you think, one-on-one conversations that challenge you with fresh perspective, and roundtable discussions where sparks fly as iron sharpens iron. Intrigued? Pull up a seat. We've been waiting for you. But don't get comfortable. You might be up next. In the Red is now in session. Let's go. Last week, we jumped into 2023 with a question, and I believe this is going to be our sermon series. You know, it's about the kingdom, but I think this sermon title, the series title speaks kingdom. If you really begin to look at it, and that question is this, why am I here? Everybody should be asking that. I'm not going to go in depth. You should go back and watch last week's sermon because my wife said it was one of the best I've preached in a long time. I still don't know how to take that, Rick. <laughs> and she comes up to me, I was like, man, that's one of the best you preached in a while. I was like, was the other ones not that good? <laughs> She's like, no, that one was just good. I was like, okay. So I'm just going to encourage you to go back and read it or watch it. I'll tell you, I've listened to it again since last week, and God did some things in me still. That's the ones I love is when he's still preaching to me too. Why am I here? It's walking into any moment, any situation. If we could ask God that question, he might open our eyes to doing some amazing things. Food pantry, why am I here? Not to just hand groceries out, to be present, to be available for whatever. Sorry, that was me whacking dust out of the air. So why am I here, I believe, is a kingdom question, a kingdom posturing moment to say, what am I called to do? So today I want to preach this sermon, things are not as they seem. Okay, here's how we got here. I told you, and this is not a declaration, oh, he always says this. He's, pastor's always saying God talks to him. God wants to talk to all of us. I am no better than you. I just listen in some spots. If he's not talking to you, it's not because he's not talking. It's because you're not listening. Because he talks to me in all areas. I told you last week, he talked to me through ESPN Radio. So here we are, Sunday night. I've got to get you to this place. Morgan and I are sitting down. She's doing work. And I said, okay, we're, we've got some shows that have been taped on our DVR for a long time. I'll get to scripture, I promise. But I've got to get you where, we're, where God's got me. So we sat down, and I was like, do you want to watch FBI's Most Wanted? We got like 19 episodes of this saved. It's over a year's worth. We just haven't watched it. And she goes, yeah, I just started. I said, we got to start somewhere. So we hit play on this, and it actually is a very, it was about a mass shooting, and all. it was very down, but it was just a moment. So the head guy, this, and his family were in this mall where the shooting occurred, and at some point, no, I'm really taking you all down. I promise there's a point to this. Just walk with me, please. 
So there's a point where he gets his family and he, he gets them off in this supply area so he can go and address the situation. And as he's about to leave, his daughter looks him in the eye and says, Daddy, don't go. There's fear. And the first thing, he looks at her and says, no, no, no. She said, but what if somebody comes in? He said, it doesn't matter. If anybody comes in, the first thing you, didn't, you need to know is you are not a victim. I'm going to say that again. You are not a victim. Because the moment somebody comes in, if you're not on the offense, you're on the defense. You let them control the situation. And as I'm sitting there watching this, God said, the kingdom needs to know as a kingdom citizen, you're not a victim. That's how this sermon started. That's why I say he's speaking to you in all ears. The funny thing about that was that was a Christmas episode recorded a year ago. A year later, he had to get me right so I could hear what he needed to tell me through it. That's the invitation. He wants to talk to you in all areas. So at the end of this, we're going to declare something over our lives. Because I believe today what we are going to attack, and I don't have a 10-step plan on how to do this. I'm just making you aware of it, and God will begin to walk you through it if you'll let him. We're going to address the victim mentality. We're going to address the poverty mentality. And we're going to address the slavery and mentality. I believe these are three things that the enemy has put on us to hold us back from being kingdom citizens, for operating the way we've been called to do. So say this with me now, and then we're going to declare it at the end. I want these words to just kind of be with you. I am not a victim. I am not satisfied. I have to let go. Y'all ready? Let's go. If you turn your Bibles to Matthew 5, we're going to read 5, 1 through 11. I told you a couple of weeks ago as we got into kingdom, as I just begin to read through Matthew and the sayings of Jesus, this is it. This is the establishment of what Jesus is intending in the earth. Everything he did was to validate and reevaluate what the church had become. He stood in conversation with a lot of Pharisees and Sadducees and said, I know you know what it says, but obviously you don't know what it says. You ever felt like that? Like you know what it says and you're just still struggling, but the moment's like, oh, the light comes on. I have those moments all the time. I thought I knew what I was talking about. Amen, Morgan? I knew I'd get the biggest amen over there. So in this moment right here, I'm going to backtrack a couple of scriptures, and then we're going to get right into it. This is called the Sermon on the Mount, and it stretches across chapters 5, 6, and 7, and Jesus talks about it a lot. I believe it is a declaration of what the kingdom of heaven is supposed to be about. He talks about his prayer, which we're going to talk in a couple of weeks, uh, thy kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven. But right before that, it's talking about Jesus ministering to all these crowds. And great crowds followed him and developed. Seeing the crowds, he went up on the mountain. And when he sat down, his disciples came to him. So this is not, and this is the beginning of 5.1, so I'm going to go ahead and put the scripture up. This is not the 12 men that he invited along. Because if that was the case, when you flip over to the end of this, uh, I'm trying to remember where it is. I should have wrote this in my notes, but I didn't. 
In chapter 7, at the end of it, verse 28, it says, And when Jesus finished these sayings, the crowds were astonished at his teaching, for he was teaching them as one who had authority and not as their scribes. So it wasn't just 12 men there. So I think this speaks volumes to this when it says his disciples came to him. Disciple means learner. So this was a group of people that was just not there for the flair, the pomp, the circumstance. They were there with the desire to know him more. I want to be a learner. So there was a heart posture there open where he could begin to pour in some kingdom principles. So in the very beginning, we we call these the Beatitudes. If you've done any amount in Sunday school or um, if you have a Christian school, does anybody remember the song about the Beatitudes? I guarantee I get some of my teachers up here to have it. But the Beatitudes became something we say, and it's who we are, a declaration of who we're called to be but I want to shift that and challenge that a little bit. But let's read the scriptures, and then we'll get into it. It says, And he opened his mouth, and he taught them, saying, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be satisfied. Blessed are the merciful, for they shall receive mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called sons of God. Blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. I want to stop there um, as we go today. And over the next course of weeks, I think we're going to be here unless God shifts and changes that. But I think there's so much value in this. And I want to talk about these Beatitudes today, and I really want to get kind of the posture of what God's trying to do in this teaching of Jesus. If, if you think about it, we got a nice big kingdom sandwich. I say sandwich because if you look at the first and the last of those, blessed are the poor in spirit for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. And the last one I read, blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness sake for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. We see that right then. So I think in a broken mentality, when we thought about Beatitudes, we've said, well, if this is who you are, this, this is kingdom. Like, so then Jesus says this, and I'm like, yes, I'm meek, I'm poor in spirit, I'm mourning, this is what the kingdom's supposed to be like. <clears throat> we just talked a month about hope. So then in the church, we just sat around, mourning, meek, poor in spirit, because this is what the kingdom was supposed to be like. Hallelujah. Feel that? Oh, you're so meek. You're so poor in spirit. But I want to shift and change this a little bit. Because this is not a declaration of where we were supposed to be. It's a declaration of where we're starting from. This is a posturing moment. This is a foundation to build the kingdom upon. Because he had given them all that they needed, and for some reason they just hadn't got it right. We see this passage of Scripture in another place. If you get over to Luke, and I think this has also been used to incorrectly teach what this is saying. So in Luke 7, we find the Beatitudes preached a little bit differently, a little bit shorter, and it says... And Luke 6, starts in verse 20, and he lifted up his eyes on his disciples and said, Blessed are you who are poor, for yours is the kingdom of God. Hallelujah. Poverty 
You don't need nothing to have Jesus. Just let it all, sell everything you got. You don't need it. Blessed are you who are hungry now, for you shall be satisfied. It's okay to be hungry. Go lose that weight in Jesus' name. <laughs> you need to fast for 100 days if you want to be after the heart. Because he said, blessed are you who are hungry. So you need to be broke, hungry, and crying. Blessed are you who will weep now, for you shall laugh. How many of y'all have ever felt like that's the gospel that was preached and handed down to you? It's okay to be real. There's times I felt like that, you know, we're just supposed to walk around in our sackcloths and our ashes. They need to know that we're suffering for God's sake. But why do I have to suffer for God's sake? Then you go down, blessed are you when people hate you and when they exclude you and revile you and spurn your name as evil. We're just a hated, broke, hungry, crying people. But woe to you who are rich, for you have received your consolation. Woe to you who are full now, for you shall be hungry. Woe to you who laugh now, for you shall mourn and weep. Woe to you when all people speak well of you, so, for so their fathers did so to false prophets. See, in this place right here, if we're saying that this is declaring what we're called to be, that is a miserable existence that does not speak to the heart of the Father that called a nation of people to be a blessing. Is there anything in broke, hungry, crying people that seems blessing to you? Okay, now let me shift this back to where we were in Matthew. What Jesus is declaring in this moment when you're hearing him speak, the first moment you met him, if you are rich before you met him, you've got your consolation because you're not going to seek him in that space. If you're full, you're not going to ask him for something that's going to satisfy you in a way that what you've had up to this point has. If you're already laughing, you are not going to come to him asking for joy. This is the problem across the board. Too many people come in, and we've been given this. It's good, but I know for myself, and I guarantee you if I went around the room, those of you that come in broke, Hungry morning have a different understanding of who Jesus is in your life because when you came morning, he dried your tears and gave you joy. When you came in broke, not having anything, he repositioned you and began to trust you with some things. When you were hungry and you didn't know what to eat next, then you understood what was good for you to eat. I got a little girl that she'd eat chicken nuggets till the day ended. But I guarantee her, if I didn't give her chicken nuggets for a couple of days, she'd eat those green beans and broccoli she detest. So what he's saying to this group of people is, those of you that are postured to receive, I got something for you. Those of you who came not looking for anything, you're never going to hear it. You cannot tell me that he wants us to be broke when he took the children of Israel for 40 years. If he wanted us to be broke and destitute, they never would have left the wilderness. We'd all be there with him right now. This is the place that we're stuck. Is We've been told you're going to be a victim. The devil is attacking you daily. 
And we are on our heels constantly. I'm just a victim. The devil's got me in his crosshairs this week. Oh, really battling the devil today. See the power and authority we give over him and being a victim? You've lost control because he's pushing the narrative. He's controlling the situation. The poverty mindset. Well, I just don't deserve that. This, it is the broken things that we are handed to us that gave us value. If we didn't know how to, and this is going to be a little bit about money, but it's bigger than money. Poverty is not just about money. It's about information. It's about resources. It's about people. It's about Jesus restoring and renewing you to tell you what you're worthy of, what your value is. If I can trust you with something, then I can give it to you to give more away. Because when you get satisfied with what you got, well, I know enough to be dangerous. You stop seeking for everybody else because you're satisfied. You're comfortable. And the kingdom of God is not about satisfaction and comfortability. Because the moment you get comfortable and satisfied, you stop seeking a deeper revelation of who God is. You stop seeking how you can be a bigger blessing. You stop asking God for bigger dreams than what you've already had. The last mentality... I talked about was the slave mentality. I know we're in a society that you can't say that word. Isn't it funny how the enemy is beginning to challenge and change our culture and take words out or put words in? See, the same one that says, oh, don't talk about slave is the same one. It's okay to be a victim. I'm not saying anything against the Me Too movement, but the Me Too movement only wants to make you a victim. It wants you stuck there because it validates itself. The systems of the world want you to recognize yourself as a victim because the moment you do, you're stuck there. I'm just preaching real today. Is that okay? And then we don't talk about slavery mindsets, but it's true. If you're enslaved to something that's holding you back, you'll never walk into where you were. I heard too many pastors say, and I used to say it too, God wasn't trying to get the people out of the wilderness. He was trying to get the wilderness out of them. No, he was not. The wilderness was a transition. He was trying to get slavery mindset out of them. I can't have you going into a place of prosperity and abundance when you're still enslaved to what you had. Every hard trip, every hard moment, what they say, oh, let's just go back to Egypt. I know we were slaves, but it was better than what we got. Yeah, it is, but it's not better than what you could have. Okay, are we postured to hear these words again now? Because this is a declaration. When we got to Jesus, I don't know enough. I don't have enough. I st I'm hungry. I better be hungry if I want to receive all he has for me. I better be broke in areas that I thought I had it figured out if I want to hear what he says about me. There's probably some things I should be crying about that I've just glossed over and got real hard-hearted towards. I just don't cry anymore. You should mourn. Let's talk back over these. Because I believe this. This is a moment where God is changing our language and our posture. 
kingdom mindset. He's telling you where you start is not where you end. The challenge is, if this is where you're at, this is what I have for you. So allow me to read back. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. That is the ultimate beginning point of the kingdom of heaven. Because when you come in, you are poor in spirit. So then in the kind of the broken mentality of God, we're like, well, the kingdom of heaven is going to be on the other side. When you die, you got the kingdom of heaven. That's not what Jesus said. He said, for theirs is right here, right now, the kingdom of heaven. Instantly, you come in broke and you receive an inheritance of something beyond your imagination. But you got to want it. You got to know you need it. Poor in spirit, uh, in my study Bible, it connects it. It says it is the opposite of proud and self-sufficient. Man, the hardest people to get Jesus in their life are the proud and self-sufficient. Anybody like that when you met Jesus the first time? You probably had to meet him again, right? Because it's like, yeah, I got some Jesus. There's a whole lot of Christian business influences, all the things. You look at him, you're like, Okay. But you see those ones? There's a testimony today. My friend Tamara is here. I guarantee you she could tell you of a moment where she met Jesus the first time and she was proud and self-sufficient, businesswoman, successful marriage. You know what? All of that that was built on sand, not on stone, crumbled around her. And it's that moment that we came into their lives and met for the first time. And now I've watched God erect something crazy big. Why? Because he had to get you... Realize it wasn't about you. It's what you didn't have that affected what you did. See, that's the purpose of testimonies, is when we realize these things, you know what? I was poor in spirit. Second one, blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. Isaiah 61, 2 and 3 says, I'll give you beauty for ashes. Joy for mourning. Jesus is not like preaching this whole new thing. He is re-preaching the Old Testament in terms, an invitation into something deeper. Oh, joy for mourning. That sounds so good. I just wish I could access that. Beauty for ashes. Mm. We've heard it preached. We see it all the time. It's one of the things I preach in most funerals because I think it's the place where when you give him something, no matter what you think the value is, no matter how small you think it is, he returns something in its place. It's that power of release. When you let go of the morning, when you let those tears go, he can dry them. But if you never cry them, guess what? You'll never know how bad you need a father to come in, grab you in his arms, and wipe those tears away to let you know how valuable you are. You'll never know how much those moments affected you until you release the tears that you've got balled up inside of you. And now it's become anger and bitterness and frustration, but you can't let go of it because you won't let anybody see you cry. And the father's like, the moment you let it go, I got something better for you. That's not where you're supposed to be stuck. I want to invite you to hear. Blessed are those who mourn, 
for they shall be comforted. This is a declaration. The moment you let it go, I'm right there for you. But if you don't mourn, you cannot be comforted. Why is it in the church we've created a space where it, you just can't mourn? You can't let go. It's not a comforting place. Better have it all together. Kids, this car ride to church was a train wreck. You better get it right before we get in there. If the pastor sees us all acting out like this, he's going to call us out. He'll probably ask me to stop teaching in children's church. Morgan, you better get those kids straight. <laughs> Morgan, you better get those kids straight. If I walk in there, they're going to think the pastor is a train wreck. We ain't got it all figured out. That's it. That's what Jesus is trying to do. Blessed are the meek. So I looked up this definition of meek. Enduring injury with patience and without resentment. Deficient in spirit and courage. Not violent or strong. Man, if that's what we're supposed to be, like, oh, just meek, not violent or strong, deficient in spirit and courage. If that's a declaration of what we are, that's kind of just, ugh. We're going to put that on a billboard outside. We are a deficient in spirit and courage, not violent or strong church that just loves you. That sounds like an all-powerful God. Ugh. You know what? That's what the world already feels. And if that's what the church sounds like, if that's the language we're using, this ain't an invitation into nothing better. I'll just stay where I am. Back when I was in the Navy, we called it two or three hots in a cot. There's some people that go back and forth to prison. Why? Because they know they got three hots in a cot. I'm just going to stay in my mess because I know at least I get something. You're telling me I got to let everything go and I get nothing. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness. For righteousness. See, we get to a place even in the church where we don't really seek what's right. We seek what's right for me. Then you can't look out into the world and see what's right for you may not be right for everybody. Because the moment you see what's right for you is not right for everybody, let me tell you, it's not right. It's a problem in this country. Because we've allowed things to be right for a group of people through the years, and we've not talked about it. We shy away from it. Well, it's right for me, so it's not my place to say. Yes, it is. Because the moment you reject what's been right for you, it invites somebody that it wasn't right for them in the same space with you. It's quiet in here today. Y'all with me? But when you begin to hunger for what's right, when you begin to hunger for what this word says is right, when you hunger for that, you <clears throat> will be satisfied.
Blessed are the merciful, for they shall receive mercy. Now, why it's hard for us to give mercy? Yeah, I do, because we haven't received mercy. We don't have a posture of giving it out. That victim mentality, oh, I just need mercy. I need pity. I need whatever you have to make me feel better about my situation. And we just stop looking. The thing I find out about victims all the time, and, and I, don't, I can't imagine why victim mentality lives in the church. Because if we have hope, it should change our whole mindset. The situation, I'm not telling you that you're not going to be victimized. There's a difference here. If you walk out these doors and somebody pulls a gun out and robs you, guess what? In that moment, you are a victim. But if now, after you've been victimized, every moment you walk out, you see somebody coming at you and you run the other way, or you just stop going into public for fear of being victimized again, now you are a victim. And you change your life because you're scared of the world, you're scared that everything's going to go wrong, you're scared that everybody's out for you. If you were in a bad relationship and you were a victim of a bad relation, you were victimized by a person who didn't love you, value you. If you walk out of that a victim, guess what? Every relationship you walk into, including the one with your heavenly father, you will be a victim. And every time something happens to you, uh, it's the way it always is. I'm hurt, broken, injured. Too many people who were hurt by their parents who were victims of abuse in their home. It affects their relationship with God. It affects that word because they're just victims. They have that mentality that everything, something happens to them. God's just doing this to me because I need to be better. I don't know. I don't, I just, if I prayed more, maybe if I got my Bible more, Jesus would love me more. If I could just spend more time with him, then these things wouldn't happen. I felt that way. I was raised up with some things and stuff that I was given that was good, but it held me back from a true relationship with God. Pharisees and Sadducees, I know you're doing it because you have to, but I want you to do it because you want to. I can get you to realize you don't have anything yet what I'm trying to give you. Nothing that you have will compare to what I'm trying to give to you, what I'm trying to do in you, what I'm trying to bring you through so you can be a difference maker. That's what these beatitudes are all about. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. Jeremiah 29, 13. When you seek me with all, my, with all your heart, you will find me. See, there's so many people that come in that really don't seek him with all their heart. I had a bad week. I did this. I got this. I need to go to church today. You know, I even had this in my life being raised in church. Just before Morgan, I was dating this girl. 
This is the one I remember I told y'all about that I told her if she ever, she was Baptist and I was Pentecost and I told her if she ever became Pentecost, come find me. That was why we broke up because our denominations were different. I can remember though that day that she broke up and she came to visit me here. She broke up with me and I woke up the next morning and she flew off and I called my dad. I need to be in church today. My, oh my God, I need my faith restored. I'm so Pentecost and God bless it. I got to go to a Pentecost church to reevaluate, restore me in my heart because that girl broke it. I'm not saying anything about it in your denomination. I'm sorry if you're offended by that. I, this is me, my story. I had so much religion in me that I couldn't even see through it. I got back in that church that day, Philip, and man, I got in the altar and prayed. Oh, it was so good. I was just as empty as I ever was because I didn't know what I was searching for. That girl couldn't fill it. I knew the Bible. I knew how to do church, but there was something missing. And I had to look at my Savior eye to eye and say, I'm broke. I'm hungry. I'm lost. I'm mourning, but I'm not mourning for the things I should be. I'm crying for the things you're taking from me. The things I shouldn't be crying over. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called sons of God. Romans 12, 17 and 19. Repay no one evil for evil, but give thought to do what is honorable in the sight of all. These are the hard scriptures to read, the ones we don't really like. Pay no one evil for evil, but give thought to do what is honorable in the sight of all. If possible, so far as it depends on you, live peaceably with all. In other words, everybody else around you may not be living peaceably, but I'm not talking to everybody, I'm talking to you. This is Jesus in the midst of all these crowds, in the midst of the people who are following him and wanting to know more. The people who stayed are the ones who were listening. And just in the same way Paul is talking to those people in that church that are listening, he sent this letter to the church of Rome. You know what? Everybody read the letter wasn't listening. Why? Because we still don't have peace in the church. But those of you who are listening, if you could do your part, I don't care what everybody else is doing. My kids do this all the time when I tell them to do something. Well, Ty did that. I don't care what Ty did. I'm talking to you. You can determine which of the kids I'm talking about because there's only two more, but I'm not going to point fingers and name call. You worry about yourself. You live peaceably with all. What Jesus is saying is to all of us, if you are listening, I'm talking to you. I'm getting your attention. I don't care where you come from. What I have for you is better than that. But if you come in with your arms crossed, your pockets filled, I guarantee you'll never tap into who you're supposed to be and the impact you're supposed to make. That is the epitome of the kingdom. How do we know that? Because Jesus came here. 
if the church would have been doing what it was supposed to do, if the children of Israel should have had done what they were supposed to, Jesus never would have had to come and do it himself. Now that's like, well, Jesus was coming. Yeah, he had to continue to send prophets say, I'm going to come do it myself because I'm going to give you all time, but then I'm going to come. I'm going to let you mess it up real bad, and then I'm going to come and show you how easy it really was. It's not hard, he's saying. "Watch, Watch me, watch me. Look what I do. I don't care where you're coming from. I don't care if you're broke. I don't care if you're hungry. I don't care about any of that. I have something for you right now that's going to cause you to act and respond differently so you can make an impact. And you know what? If you're broke now and I begin to feed you, you're going to go find broke people just like you and you're going to bring them back because you know the moment that you receive something, there's more where that came from. It's not as bad as it seems. Blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake. See, I read this about the victim mentality. It said this. The victim mentality is this. When you blame everyone else for what happens in your world. There's too many people in church blaming everybody else what happens to them. When a person thinks that the future only holds bad things for them. Tell me that language is not coming out of the church. Oh, we're in the last days. Woe is me. You don't know what I'm going to face tomorrow. Nope. But I know who's with you. See, the first thing we have to understand is I am not a victim. That may have been what brought me here. What was done to me brought me to this place. All of those things he talked about. The mourning. Poor in spirit. Mourning. Meek. Hunger and thirst. Merciful. All those. Maybe my posture because of what's been done to me. But that will not get you to where he wants you to be. There was things in my life that got me to a place when I met him for the first time that I realized somebody did this to me to get me here, but that will not be who I am tomorrow. Bad things happen to good people. We don't preach that enough. But how many of you are standing here today because something bad happened to you? How many of you are light years ahead of where you were because when something happened to you, you met the one that spoke value and said, that's not who you are. You are not a victim. That is story after story after story in that, in that Bible. People who were victimized but invited not to be victims. It's hard to read the stories of the martyrs that had to be persecuted, killed. I think what God's calling us today, and I'm, I'm at time, I got to get, finish this up, wrap this up. What am I saying? The foundation is this. If you think you've got it figured out, If you think you've arrived at who you are, you'll never hear who he says you are. 
You'll never hear the invitation to a different trajectory. You'll never see the impact you could have. The kingdom of heaven is at hand. Jesus was not poor in spirit. He was the kingdom. That's what he preached. He came to say the kingdom is at hand. The kingdom is staring you right in the face, and it's available to you. But you've got to understand, I'm poor in spirit right now, but I need to be better. I'm meek right now, but I need to be strong. I'm hungry, but I don't even know what I'm hungry for. You ever stood in front of the pantry? You ever go to the grocery store and Morgan and I get in fights all the time about this. What do you want to eat? I don't know, but I'm hungry. (laughs) That's what he's asking you for today. I think even some of you that have eaten at his table before are still hungry for something more. One of my kids, I don't know what it is. They can get up from the table, just ate a meal, and they'll walk over the pantry. Just hungry. I think that's the posturing of the kingdom that he wants too. Don't ever get satisfied. Just because I fed you in one place, be hungry for me in another. I just, I think we've accepted titles, we've accepted places. And we stop seeing beyond them. So I want you to really begin to think over your life right now. Because we're going to declare those three things. Like I said, I don't have a 10-step plan to get out of it. But this is an awareness in your life today. Because the beauty of the relationship with God is he has an individual plan with you. You can come sit down with me to one-on-one, and I'm going to listen, and we'll talk, and we can work through that one-on-one. But I don't have a corporate plan. If you do these five things, this is going to fix you. He gave us one, 10 of them, and we still can't get it right because we just do them, letter of the law, and we don't allow it to fix our heart. How do I know that? Because we can't do the two commandments, love him with everything we got and love our neighbor as we love ourselves. Why? Because we're a victim. When you're a victim, you don't love yourself. When you're a victim, you don't love your neighbors as yourself. When you're broke, you don't love your neighbors. You don't love yourself. You're constantly comparing yourself to others. I wish I had that. If I had more, I could do more. What are you enslaved to? What mindsets have been given to you? What are you still holding on to? Well, that's what I've been and that's all I'll ever been. You're the one with the lock and key and you can't even undo your own chains because it's become who you are. This is a moment of awareness. Where at my life have I struggled? Where in my relationship with God have I been stifled? 
What are the negative things I continue to allow to be spoken over me by the enemy or myself or the people around me? Because Jesus was looking those people in the face and said, that's not who you are. It may be who you came to me as, but this is the promise of something better. Stand with me today because that gets us out of here quicker. If you've been victimized, if people have taken advantage of you, maybe you've even taken advantage of yourself. You are blessed. Victims aren't blessed. You know what also? Victims can't help victims. The first time you realize I'm not a victim, that's when you start helping the people around you too. So you need to hear these words today. If that's you, say, I am not a victim. That's your first step. Now it's between you and God and who you have in your circle to help you begin to walk out of that. The second thing, if you've been stuck in a place of less than, you feel like it's all I'm worthy for, this is where I'm stuck, God don't want to give me any more, I'm just this. I want you to say these words, I am not satisfied. It's okay to speak that to God. It doesn't offend him. Well, this is just what I had, and this is what God wanted me. He don't want me to cry and complain and moan. He just wants you to be unsettled. That's what the Beatitudes are about. I want you to be unsettled with where you're at. Aware of where you're at, but unsettled because there's more available. I'm not satisfied. Last thing you have to understand, the slave mentality, many times you're holding on to it. You're attached to it. You're connected to it. A past season, past relationship, past thoughts. Things that have been handed to you down through generations, generations. Well, just like my dad, I'm just like my mom. That's all I'll ever be. I got news for you. They ain't going to let go of it. But you can't put that power and authority over your life in their hands. So say this with me. I have to let go. Father, I thank you today over the things that we begin to speak and declare in our life as we let go of the things that have held us back. As we realize the moment we meet you that we are walking into a place that you said, I came to give you life and that you would have it more abundantly. When we begin to see it through your eyes, we stop valuing the things of the world and valuing life in the terms of the world. Father, I pray that we begin to hear your voice and it begin to change our perspective on the life we came from and the life we're called to. Then and only then can we begin to operate in kingdom activation, kingdom principles in this earth. Father, thy kingdom come. Thy will be done in earth through us as it is in heaven. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.